Hello and welcome to another episode of the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency. I would like to remind you all that we have just launched our print edition and I'd like to encourage you all to subscribe. You can do that by going to www.spectator.us forward slash subscribe. Uh, and there you can take advantage of our various offers. I'm joined today by Liz Harrington, who is a GOP national spokesperson and has been working on the Trump campaign. And Liz, I just thought I'd like to talk to you about the Democratic primary because it's sort of heating up at the moment. And the latest polls suggest that Bernie is kind of moving into favoritism, um, certainly in the early states. And does the thought of facing Bernie Sanders in election, does it strike fear in your heart? <laughs> no, none of the candidates strike a whole lot of fear. Uh, and it's telling that he's the front runner, the guy who honeymooned in the Soviet Union, is now the standard bearer for this party, for the Democrats. And you see it in the policies that they're all endorsing. So just out today, the New York Times has... Uh, a story about Pennsylvania and some of the other Rust Belt states and how they would be impacted by what every single Democrat frontrunner, Sanders, Biden, Warren, uh, has vowed to do, which is ban fracking. And it would eliminate hundreds of thousands of jobs, cause energy prices to skyrocket. But this is just one example of how these far-left policies have made their way into the mainstream of what the Democrat Party, that's the choice voters have in a week, is basically a choice of banning fracking or leaving the Democrat Party. And it, well, it is very odd, isn't it? Do you sometimes uh, kind of kick yourself and think how extraordinary it is that a, that a stronger Democratic candidate hasn't emerged It is extraordinary. It's an extraordinarily weak field to have, what, two dozen candidates at the outset. Not a, We've had so many candidates drop out before the votes even began. This was supposed to be the most diverse field we've ever seen, and yet most we are left with a three aging old white socialists. <laughs> That's what the voters are left with. And it's, I think, disappointing to probably a lot of Democrat voters who to this day say, they don't really know who they want to vote for. They don't, they're worried about who can beat President Trump. Well, they should be worried because they do not have a candidate that can take on not only the president, but more importantly, the list of the accomplishments and the state of the country. They don't, what is their solution to this booming economy? Yeah. And I know you probably don't want to get tied down on this, but but I think the the, the Republican Party under Trump would rather face... Bernie than Biden. Is that fair to say? I think we could easily take either of them. I don't think it really matters. And kind of back to what that. I was saying, both of those candidates, what, what's the difference? A, the only difference they're saying is, well, we do want government-run health care. I'll just take you a little bit longer to get there. That's what Biden's saying. Public option is designed to eliminate private insurance. What are the differences? He's thrown out uh, every past position he had, whether it comes to taxpayer-funded abortion and the Hyde Amendment, they're running on the same platforms. And we, the idea is it's just no contest. We can, we can win on these ideas. And if we move away briefly from the Democratic primary and look at impeachment, 
what sort of data you're getting on how impeachment is playing with the electorate? Well, it's the Democrats failed to convince anybody. Their support actually went down after they decided to baselessly go for impeachment before they even had any evidence. They didn't have the transcript. People are smart and they understand what's going on. And they've seen it since the president was elected. They've seen this visceral reaction, this unhinged resistance, trying to sabotage and overturn 2016. Well, regular Americans have gotten over the 2016 election. They got over it uh, around November 9th, 2016. And yet the media and the Democrats keep looking for something, some way, some person, some leak, some spin. So, you know, it was Russia for so long. It's still Russia for these Democrats led by Adam Schiff. And people are smart. They get it. These are people who have been out to get him. They didn't accept 2016. And people have moved on with their lives. And they see that their lives have been improving. The country's been doing better. The economy's doing great. Uh, there's a million more job openings than unemployed people in this country. And they see the difference. And then you see a, a Washington. And the fact that soap operas were beating the impeachment trial ratings, it's very emblematic of what's going on. People don't care because there's nothing here. It's not a good enough soap opera. Right. Yeah. It's not juicy. It's not interesting. No crimes were committed. They couldn't even allege a crime. There's no sex. Uh, Unlike Clinton. Right, right. And so there's all these comparisons, but, you know, there was actual 13 or 11 counts in the Star report. Adam Schiff can't even testify. He's pretending to be an independent counsel. He's lied about every step of the way. People understand what's going on. So it's absolutely fueled our supporters. We've gotten over 600,000 brand new first-time donors who are contributing. Thousands of people have signed up to volunteer because they see what's going on and they want to fight back against a corrupt Washington that, I mean, just today you see more at the 11th hour, some vague, ridiculous leak trying to change the narrative and trying to put forward new information, but it's vague it's from the NSC. It's how we got here from the beginning. It's misleading. It's false information that's trying to control our politics. And when are people in Washington going to say, well, unelected bureaucrats shouldn't run the country? Yeah. <laughs> when is the time that who we elected gets to run the country? And I think, again, people see through it. And that's why they're not even bothering to tune in, because just like it was a foregone conclusion that Democrats were going to use anything they could get their hands around to try to overturn 2016, they know that it doesn't it it doesn't matter. And the president's going to be acquitted because he did nothing wrong. But if um, if, as you say, most people have come to terms with 2016 and it's just quite a lot of the media and, and the Democrats and a lot of Democrats who haven't. And then you take into account the economy, the sort of general feeling that, that the Democrats have, have lost their collective mind. Why isn't Trump doing better? That's what I want to know. Why isn't this election already looking like a slam dunk for him? I mean, is that because there are sort of grave weaknesses with him as a leader still across the board? 
No, I think it's because public polling has never really been able to poll this president accurately. I think it's uh, in part because the media and the culture and Democrats are so hostile to not only the president but his supporters that you don't you're not so inclined to tell a stranger on the phone the those who are bothering to still pick up their landlines <laughs> that they support the president who the media is so fixated and has such animosity towards uh, against so uh, if you look at our numbers our numbers are great we're in a great position and when you look at you look at the economy and his approvals on the economy. He's in such a fantastic position. And really, since this impeachment push began, his approval has gone up five points in the public polls. And I think you could add five to seven points. That's what President Trump says. That's what we believe also uh, when we look at our internals. So he's in a very good position for re-election. So you think the shy Trump factor would is, is up to five to seven points? Yeah, that's remarkable. And just moving on to the Senate races this year, are, are the Republican Party worried about any of the Senate races? Is there any particular state that's troubling you? No, we have a dip more. Um, we have more races. We have more seats up this time. Yeah. Uh, last cycle, we didn't. We had a pretty favorable map, but we just have more races that more Republicans are up for re-election this time. So of course, that's always presents different issues, but we're very excited about the candidates we have. We have a solid majority in the Senate, and it's uh, important to note the reason why we have the majority we have is because the last time the Democrats overreached and smeared and lied and leaked and fabricated a scandal was the Brett Kavanaugh whole charade. And that backfired so much on the Democrats. And I think we're going to see the same thing here come November. And it's going to not only help us keep the Senate, but it's going to help us retake the House because there are so many Democrats uh, sitting in Trump won districts. Now there's already, they Nancy Pelosi has made our job easier to take back the House because Representative Van Drew, Democrat, switched parties. He left his party because he didn't want to go the way they were going on impeachment. So now instead of 31 Democrats in Trump won districts, there's only 30. And so it makes our job easier when the Democrats overreach because people, Americans have an inherent sense of fairness and they also don't like to be told what to do. And so what Adam Schiff and the rest of the Democrats are saying is we cannot allow this to be settled at the ballot box because we can't be assured that's going to be fair. So they're saying not only are we going to take away the 63 million Americans who already voted for President Trump, but we don't want to have you get to decide if you want to vote for him or not in the next election. And I think that is moving people in our direction. And just to go back to some of our other data that we've seen, the last eight rallies uh, with the Trump campaign uh, since September, 24.8% of registered attendees are registered Democrats. That's no fluke. That's a, that's a quarter of people signing up to go see the president are registered Democrats who were disaffected by their own party, who had been jaded by politics, who maybe had only voted in one of the last four elections. Uh, a lot of these uh, 
uh, people coming out didn't vote for President Trump the first time. Well, now they're being abandoned by their party and they're moving uh, in to support President Trump. And that's going to be very beneficial in the House and in the Senate. Well, and, and the two areas where Trump has really appealed to these people are on globalization, on trade uh, and on unions and things like that, where Trump has been surprisingly effective as a, as a Republican president. Does it not worry you that Bernie might speak to those people and might attract them as well? Well, I, we'll see if he's the nominee, but we have a track record of results. And who's been better for the American worker than President Trump. And just in this month, we've seen so, so much history made. This new trade deal with China, everyone said he couldn't do it. He couldn't use tariffs. It would destroy our economy, all this, all the naysayers. And he proved them wrong yet again. And same with USMCA. He's going to be signing that on Wednesday. That's another historic trade deal with great uh, protections for union members and bringing jobs back. And the Democrat Party is the party that said those jobs are never coming back, that you need a magic wand, that this is the, that this is over. Just deal with it. This is the new normal. High unemployment, low wage growth or plummeting wages in some respects during the Obama Biden years. And where's Bernie Sanders track record of results? He doesn't have it. So regardless who the nominee is. You can't say you're going to be great for union workers and then at the same time you're going to ban fracking, you're going to ban natural gas, you're, all these energy jobs are going to be gone. That's not a strong platform for American workers and uh, our results speak for itself. Look at it. it it's, it's truly amazing to see the wage growth, the unemployment, the solid trade deals. Uh, and how great, the lower how great energy has, costs. Has, how great has wage growth actually been? Because this has been the thing that has troubled all kind of developed economies in the last 20 years. And I know there's been some pickup, but has there been substantial wage growth? Absolutely. For non-supervisory uh, jobs, which is, you know, the workers, not the bosses, uh, it's been over 3% for 19 straight months. And that's amazing news. And actually, if you look... What's been incredible about what they, the White House likes to call the blue-collar boom is for the lower-income workers, the bottom 50%, uh, their wage growth has been twice of that as the top. And so that makes a huge difference. And it is because due to the pro-growth policies, we're no longer the highest tax nation on earth. We're a better place for business. And people can see the results in their paychecks for sure. And it's actually narrowing income inequality. So when Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren get up there and they preach class warfare and they rail uh, against millionaires and billionaires, well, Bernie doesn't mention millionaires anymore because he is one, but they, they preach this class warfare and they fail to mention that under this administration, since President Trump took office, income inequality is narrowing. Because if you have a strong economy, if you have strong fundamentals, you have a more competitive labor market, the wage growth is higher for those on the bottom. And they just can't address that. And their policies would make all wages go down. And it would it's the same socialist 
ideology that has destroyed economies throughout the world uh, everywhere it's been tried. And let's look at two, I think uh, it's fair to say, two Trump failures in terms of what he promised. One, the wall, and two, Obamacare, reforming Obamacare comprehensively. Do you think that your supporters are upset that there hasn't been more progress made on this front? Those two fronts? Uh, the, the wall is going up. We're going to have hundreds of miles to f- completed. You can see the videos that the Custom Border Protection Agency tweets out all the time. The wall is going up. And it's not there, quite, well, President Trump has found ways to take Pentagon money that wasn't being used. Uh, he's had resistance every single step of the way. Uh, but he's found ways to get the wall going up. And we've seen in sectors where there is the new wall that border crossings are plummeting. And look at the the way he's gotten Mexico to help enforce our border. The fact that illegal crossings have dropped You're talking about the Remain, 70%. that's the Remain in Mexico campaign, is that that? that? Absol- absolutely, and they sent, tr- they sent their National Guard to the border with Guatemala. They've done a lot of things. And we've seen, and because of uh, catch and release is over, when you take away the incentive. So they, it's been a full approach to enforce our laws, get Mexico to do more, uh, to find ways to divert money and to get the new wall up. The House Democrats also did, took all that out of their spending bill. We got Space Force and we got the mo- more money for the wall. So he is fulfilling that promise, but ending catch and release when you end the magnet, when you say you can't just show up and get released in the country and then never have any obligation to come back for your hearing, if there's no incentive to just release illegal immigrants into the United States, they stop coming because they know. And so that just wrecks their whole argument about the vast majority of these people are seeking asylum. No, they're seeking our booming economy and they're seeking to get around Uh, the laws of our land. So we've seen on every single front, the president has dedicated to fixing this issue and working on this issue with no help from the Democrats in Congress, but he's still getting the job done. What was the second issue? Uh, Obamacare. Reforming Obamacare. And that, that was very unfortunate. One vote short, you know, that was absolutely very unfortunate. You had someone who had promised for years, he campaigned on repealing Obamacare. And then when it came time to vote, he voted, he had his thumb down, he voted no. But we that hasn't stopped the administration from working on health care, doing things we can to free up government regulation, on the regulatory front, promoting transparency and competition. They've, the Department of Health and Human Services has put out several rules designed to allow people to purchase health insurance across state lines, to require hospitals and insurance companies to be more transparent so you know what costs are involved to try to drive those costs down. So we're still working on this issue. We have the better ideas. And when you look at what the Democrats are offering, you know, they're telling you, hey, trust us after... We told you if you like your health care, you can keep your health care. It was a lie. Premiums doubled. Most people only had one choice of one insurer in these exchanges. Obamacare has been a disaster. And we're supposed to trust them and now say, well, we're going to take over the entire thing. It, they're just 
admitting now that that has always been the goal for Democrats. They want single-payer health care, which would absolutely destroy the market, would absolutely destroy choice, the wait times. It would be catastrophic to our health insurance or health industry. And at a time when 80% of people say they like the quality of their care, they're happy with their employer. You have nine out of 10 people covered, and yet Democrats are saying, burn the whole system down, tear it down, hike your taxes. It's completely unaffordable, but more importantly, it would destroy our freedom. And so they just do not have the policy position. We are so much stronger on this issue, and it's about giving the patients and consumers more choice and more more ways to innovate, uh, and which all drives down costs. Well, listening to you talk, I'd say the, the only danger for the Republican side is hubris. <laughs> she loves hey, hubristically. it's a can-do spirit again that President Trump has ushered in, which I love. Hey, Democrats are so you know, down on everything and, you know, oh, everything's terrible and we can't do that. We can't bring manufacturing back. We can't do this. No, President Trump says, what can't we do? Uh, and we've shown, we've, we've already, we have the economy that's the envy of the world. There's so much more we can do. And that's why we got to get President Trump reelected and take back the House because we know the Democrats aren't, aren't going to do any of these things. Well, I'm going to try one more time and I'll, and I'll, I'll frame the question like this. Given that you're going to go on TV a lot uh, representing Trump and, and, and the Republican Party in the next few months, which candidate do you most enjoy attacking uh, when you're interviewed? Oh, which Democratic okay, I'll give you this. I wish Beto was still in the race. <laughs> <laughs> because he was, you know, he, he just let everything out of the bag. He's like, we're going to take your guns. We're going to ban your with everything. His, with his arms flapping around. Your, tax exempt status for churches. I mean, he just was so honest about how extreme the Democrats are. And he was such a lousy candidate. So I do. I'll give you that. I wish I wish Beta was was still around. Maybe he'll become a surrogate for whoever the nominee is. I think we all wish Beto was back in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Liz. I uh, hope we'll talk to you again uh, before the uh, election is over. Yes. Let's talk again, Freddie. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. (laughs) 